where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday Eve on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. That's Michelle Smallman. I am really Andy Character. And it's great to have you with us at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Randy. Your voice is as banged up as the blues are. Ooh, if uh, if you went to bed early last night, congratulations. Yeah, good decision by you. Yeah, the Blues uh, lose by a score of 6-2 to two in Minnesota, and the best of seven series is now even at a game apiece. It was 4 nothing by the first minute of the second period, and the Blues were, even though they scored a couple of goals to make it 4-2, I never felt like they were really in the game. I didn't feel like they were really in the game, except for Randy when Vladimir Tarasenko hit that post and almost made it 4 to three. I thought if they could have gotten within one goal, then we're talking about something, and they did battle back at, at points in the game, but that first period was all wild, and that, and that really set the tone. Yeah, so this morning, I, I guess Greg Amsinger is upset and banged up too because he texted Matthew late last night and said, I can't go. He really is playing golf. Were you like, have you heard my voice and yeah. I'm going, yeah. Greg? He's playing golf. But Bear Jackman's going to join us at 8.45, John Kelly at 9.15, and then on the Cinco de Mayo, the birthday of the late great Chris Duncan, his little buddy Aaron Miles is going to join us coming up at 9.30. Looking forward to that. Absolutely. And we miss Dunk every day. And this is a great day to remember Chris Duncan. And happy Cinco de Mayo, too. A, d- a day to celebrate Dunk and a day to celebrate whatever you want to celebrate. Really. Well, that's coming up pretty soon, too, isn't it? Cinco de Mayo, when is that? Is it over already? <laughs> Not really. No. we got to get the whole one. That's the first of like ten plays I'm going to get across. Okay, I, good. I have the full clip too. I just I just had uh, the first mention of the date. I, I I wanted that one off the hopper. So, do you guys do Mexican food on Cinco de Mayo? I know you do margaritas. Sometimes I uh-huh. I don't know if I will today, just because it's so rainy and it's kind of a bummer of a day. Normally on Cinco de Mayo, the weather's nice. You want to sit outside on the mm-hmm. patio with your friends, go to dinner. I don't know if I will today, Randy. Or although after the Blues game last night, I think a lot of people might want to drink some margaritas. No doubt about it. That might be my play today. That might be what brings my voice back. Mexican food? Yeah, lots of it. I think it's worth a shot. I could win, Michelle and Matthew. I could win a taco eating contest. Okay, so you, you're you putting me in a position to challenge you here. because Ye- Oh, you don't want to on, do I'll that. I'll take on Randy in that. Okay, how many tacos do each of you think you could eat? Okay, is Taco Bell the Crave Case? Do they, Taco Bell's got something like a Crave Case, right? I think they have, I think they have a 12. Is like a 12. I think they have a 12 taco pack. 12, um, 12 crunchy tacos. I've done it before. Okay, so what's your, not proud, what's I've your done guess? It you think you could do 12? Okay, let's do it in... Because I will uh, arrange to get tacos to the studio. Let's do it in MLE time, okay? Uh, so that means we, we have to have a time, like 10 minutes, right? Yeah, like yeah. Joey Chestnut has. 
I could do 10 in 10 minutes. 10 in 10 minutes. Yep. Matt? Oh God! Uh, I will, I will take, I will take that challenge. Okay. I'm not. I wouldn't have come out with so that, that number, but I'll take that go. challenge. We are four minutes into the show on the Cinco de Mayo, and I have two dudes in the studio here that claim they can eat ten tacos in ten minutes. Did you not watch me the the Friday before Easter? Yeah, that's why I'm. That's yeah. why I'm wary. I love. I mean, I loved. I eat tacos. I'll eat. I'll eat tacos or, or or do homemade nachos like two or three times a week at, at my house. So. I'm a, I'm a taco guy, but man, this is going to be rough. Ten in ten minutes. Yeah, we're talking the speed volume factor. Now. It's the speed and the volume factor. I'm up for it. I'm up. But for Randy, it. you bring up a good point that you did demolish a one-pound Reese's bunny, Easter bunny, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in 58 minutes. Yeah, one pound in 58 one minutes. Pound. So I don't want to doubt you again, but we're talking about a short, a much shorter time frame here, and you're thinking about. The are we going hard shell or soft shell? Hard, hard shell. Hard, hard shell. Okay. Um, we're both going crunchy. I like this. Yep. Tacos are lighter. They're easier. Especially Taco Bell. Listen, I'm not. Listen, I, I am a fan of Taco Bell, but it's not the. Uh, it's not how you would usually fill out a taco if you're at home. Let's put it that way. So, what type of tacos are we talking? A classic hard shell, meat, cheese, lettuce. Yes, normal Taco a, Bell taco. A basic Taco Bell taco. Yep. yep. Okay. Well. I might be texting some people that I know are coming in and Venmo them some money and have them bring some tacos. Let's see if we can get this done. All right. I like that oh, I idea. Don't know. Is, are, you, are you willing to do it today? Probably not today. I was going to say, maybe not today. I don't want to. I don't want you <laughs> to be put in a tough situation. Yeah, that would be a tough situation today. So the Blues fall 6-2 last night. Head coach Craig Berube, what, 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 what happened? Yeah, a couple bad breaks. That's the way it goes, you know. Guys, I've, you know, our guys competed all all 60 minutes, so completed, played hard. Just, you know, just, um, you, you know, well, you got to try to find a way to get some second and third opportunities around the paint a little bit more, and uh, Fleury made some big saves. The Blues did outshoot Minnesota 34-28. They almost doubled Minnesota in number of hits, but they just couldn't get the puck past Flurry. No, they couldn't. And we didn't know from an emotion standpoint, from a physicality standpoint, what to expect in game two after both teams racked up so many penalty minutes in game one. But the Wild were very composed, especially early on. You know, Shen had that that massive hit, I believe, on Fiala. Mm-hmm. They didn't take the bait. They didn't take the bait. They stayed composed. They had turned the page mentally, and they came out really strong. But if you're the Blues and you're already missing Nick Letty and Marco Scandella, and then Robert Bortuzzo, goes down, that's a really tough position for you to get out of, to be missing three guys like that on defense. And you have to understand the circumstances when Craig Berube was asked his thoughts about how the defense played. You know, I thought our D played pretty well. They battled. We went down a 5-D pretty early, too. Um, They competed hard. I thought, you know, overall, you know, the third period, we're pressing. They get a 2-on-1. We give up that goal. We gave up a couple of odd man rushes in the third. We're pressing to try to score. Um, you know, like our D, our D were pretty solid, though. When your fifth guy is a guy who spent most of the year in the minors and your, your top four are playing as many minutes as they are, all you can ask them for is to compete hard and give the best that they've got, and that's what they did. But it just, unfortunately, sometimes they just looked overmatched. I mean, Callie Rosen, what do you expect from him in that situation? He's going to do exactly what Chief said and compete. But if it's your first time doing something, you are likely not going to be prepared for it. You need that seasoning sometimes. And if, if, if a guy is maxing out, Ruby's not going to say, oh, they sucked. They were, they were terrible because at some level guys are maxing out 
and that still might not be enough to win the game for you, right? Absolutely. So we'll have game number three Friday night here on 101 ESPN, 7.30 pregame, 8.30 faceoff with Curbs and Joey here on 101 ESPN. There was good news on the St. Louis sports scene yesterday, Michelle. I don't know if you saw it, but the Cardinals won big. I did see that they won big. We for I always feel like whenever we start to complain about the offense and we start to question the approach, that's when they have an offensive explosion. I was looking this morning and just for fun, did the math, and they're on pace for 94 wins. If they win 94 games, I'll take my chances. I don't care what the shortstop hits. Don't care what the outfielders hit. If they win 94 games, I'll take my chances. I will too. And yesterday, the third baseman who does hit, and it's often, and it's hard <laughs> yes. hit a home run. Two balls, one strike here in the first inning. The next to the Cardinal third baseman, Nolan Arenado. Arenado, a drive, deep left, 3 nothing, St. Louis. That's how you start it. It's some emotion from the Cardinal third baseman. 3 nothing, Redbirds on number seven from Nolan Arenado. The National League Player of the Month now hitting 360 on the season. And as Dan mentioned, that was number seven. He drove home five runs. Drove in five yesterday. He's been one of the hottest guys in baseball. And thankfully, because at times, mm-hmm. what would this Cardinal offense look like if Nolan Arenado had not been so productive early on this season? But it was great to see so many guys get involved yesterday. It was great to see Tyler O'Neill get one, mm-hmm. too. And Michelle, yesterday on the show... Adam Wainwright joined us. So naturally, what happens? The character and Smallman bump. Seven seven innings, one hit, no runs, struck out two, walked one. You're welcome. Yep. So Cardinal players, Blues players were just saying. Should we get a Blues player on this week? That's not a bad idea. I know that they don't typically do things during the playoffs, but do they know about the character and Smallman bump? Well, I know that there are Blues people listening right now. And before David Perron's hat trick, what happened? We he was on with us, right? That's right. Before Adam Wainwright yesterday, he was on with us. So I know. yeah, if, if you if you want your players and your team to succeed, put them on the show. Do you remember when we had Lars Newbar on the show, and then he Boom. made that unbelievable catch? Yep. Tongue out. That was the character in Smallman Bump. We have a, a pretty big book of evidence here. I should have opened the, the, the text message with that. Should have been, hey, here's the stats. Can we talk to this person? That, that would that would have been better. You're right. Would have been great. All right, we are off and running here on 101 ESPN. Next up, I think you might know what my sick of it is going to be. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Sick of it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. To sick of it, Michelle. Last night the Reds lost again, 18-4 to the Brewers. They're bad. The Reds are. And last year Tyler Naquin and Nick Senzel were really good players for them. Yesterday they sent them down after the game. Yikes! They might literally win only 20 games. That is just so brutal. And I I just can't believe how quickly things turned for them. I think about 2020, and yes, it was a truncated season, but the the conversations were, is this the the year that the Reds are going to take the division? Can the Cardinals keep up? They had really pushed in all the chips, gone out, acquired a lot of talent, and here we are two seasons later, and we're talking about them being a team that could potentially win less than 30 games. Unreal. That is just outrageous. All right, time for sick of it. You might be sick of my voice. I'm really sick of my voice. So that's uh, an easy one for me. I'm sick of it. I can't believe you're here. I I thought, Randy, for sure that you'd be taking a sick day. I'm not going to get anybody else sick. 
So it's just the voice. Actually, I feel really good otherwise. I know, but I it's a rainy day, Randy. And I'm a broadcaster. I, yeah. It's a rainy day. The blues lost. The voice is bad. This would be a good day to tap it out. So you're a gamer. I will uh, say you're I, a gamer. I, I pride myself on being a gamer. You you should. But as someone that loses her voice all the time, it is one of the most frustrating things in the world. Yeah. Because. You can do everything you can to try to nurse it back to health, and you really are not in the driver's seat at all. I was trying to sing along to songs this morning on the way here. Well, that was a miss. You need it to was. rest it. Well, I, w- I was trying to get it to where I felt comfortable with it. I didn't, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that the only thing that's going to help is resting it, unfortunately. Yeah. Only time. Randy, I'm sick of the Blues enduring injuries. To think that they were so healthy and that they had all of this momentum coming into the playoffs. Your fortunes can change so quickly in professional sports. And to think that Nick Letty is out, Marco Scandella is out, and now we don't know about Robert Bortuzzo. That's a really tough thing for the Blues to overcome to have those three guys not available for you, especially when you're taking on a team like the Wild. And Michelle Perunovic is skating with a team. That's the next guy Mm -hmm. who's played, what, four, five, eight NHL games. I mean, that's how far the depth is been hit in just a week. Yeah, and that's a lot lot to ask of some of these young guys who haven't been put in that position before. When opportunity knocks, it's up to you to answer the door. It's a great chance for them to show what they can do, but I also, my expectations for them are not through the roof. No. For someone like Perunovic or Rosen. No, they, I guess it's a lot of minutes for Falk and Krug, huh? Yeah. So, and hopefully Letty can come back. Uh, From the 314, Randy's voice is like the quiet storm sports. Talking sports here on 101 ESPN. Oh Michelle my gosh. And Matthew, what do you got? Are, are you sure you don't want to cut some promos after this? Because, <laughs> gosh, we could we, we have content for days just on Randy's like sick uh, voice. The Westwood One football guy. <laughs> just cut uh, a whole run of promos. And now me. it's the Chiefs and the Chargers on Westwood One. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, I'm, cu- I'm, I'm cutting that. I'm cutting that and sending that to them so they can use it. That'd be better for everybody involved. 618 says, sick of watching DeYoung continue to get chances and perform for the past three years. I know injuries are forcing him to play currently, but it's awful to watch. Not great, but it is what it is. It is tough to watch at times, though. You feel, you feel for him because it's just not there. And you wonder if it'll ever come back or if he's just so domed up now. I don't think it's like Matt Carpenter where the game kind of changed his fortunes with the shift and the, mm-hmm. the hard throwers. I think Paul DeYoung still has the physical skill set to be a representative hitter. Maybe not be great, but it's all in his head. And, and I don't know if he can get out of it now. And it stinks for the Cardinals because he's an asset for you defensively. Yeah. You know, he's still the, got it from an athletic standpoint, which makes you wonder if it is just all mental. And that's very difficult to overcome. Yeah, and there's a perception out there because people say, well, if he's bad offensively, he must be bad defensively. As of yesterday, he was third in Major League Baseball among shortstops and defensive runs saved. Yeah. That's why I got to think it's something mental. Because yeah. there's there's some block there that's not stopping him from, from fielding the ball at a very, you know, above average level for a shortstop. But there's something that's stopping him from hitting like, above, fa- like an average player. Isn't that fascinating, though, that... You wouldn't be in your head mentally when it comes to making it a defensive play or how to read that situation, mm-hmm. but that you could get in the box and all of a sudden be overthinking things. Yeah. And how many times has Mark McGuire told us? Several, not a million. But you should be completely mentally prepared when you walk through the clubhouse doors. And then everything, once you get into the box, it's muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Hitting is feeling. Yep. 
636 says, I'm sick of waiting for the XFL to announce the teams. Yeah, what are we doing? Come on, Rock. How did we get the how did we get the coaches? How did we get, you know, like everyone saying, Well, these are gonna be the people involved in the league and these are gonna be the coaches of the league, but we don't have teams or cities or, or what have you just yet. I hope if we have a team that Jim Hazlitt's the coach. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'd like that a lot. I I just don't really understand the rollout. And I know, Rock, you're listening. You're a big fan of Character and Smallman. Mm-hmm. I know you like to stream us on the 101 ESPN app. And we thank you for and that. And Danny, too. And Danny, too. Hashtag Love come you. on the show. Love you, too, girl. However, I don't understand the rollout. Don't you think you would want to get whatever markets you were going to put teams in, excited about having teams, then announce the coaches, then announce the players? I would just think announcing the cities and what teams would be in which cities would be step number one for, in order for you to generate the audience that you desire. The only thing I can figure is that they're waiting to see what happens with the USFL. From a market standpoint? Yeah, yeah. But don't you think they should have already identified the market? Yep. I mean, we're sitting here on May 5th. And 20- they're playing next February or March? Yeah, you're less than a year out. You should already have those teams identified because think about all the work that has to go into each market yep. for you to get ready to field the team. I, I mean, having worked with the XFL when they came to St. Louis with the Battlehawks, they were pressed for time. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that they had to get done in order for you to experience the game day the way that you did, not to mention from a, a football ops perspective, right. all of the work that's going to go on on that side. But I would think that you would want to give the organization that you're trying to build as much time as possible to build the best product that they can. And you're not doing that, Dwayne. And if you're learning anything from the USFL right now, it's that building that best prospect is building that prospect that that actually in the cities where these teams are supposed to be playing, not in some kind of satellite city where you're playing all the games and no one's watching it and how you're going to get people behind it. There's so much runway for them to hit here, and they're just flying all, all the way over it. Land the plane. Bigger mistake for USFL, playing every game in Birmingham or having Jeff Fisher as a coach? Playing every game in Birmingham. God, that's close. Because Jeff Fisher is going to generate some talk. People are going to tune in to see him with that hat backwards. Oh, They're yeah, going to tune in to see if he if he plays seven, you know, goes seven to nine or whatever. But he's a name. People will at least be interested in him. I don't think that you're going to get the same interest in your product if you're playing all your games in Birmingham. And by the way, I do believe if indeed the USFL counts as a pro league, I think he's got the most losses of anybody in pro football history. Wow. Yeah, do he's going to argue that that shouldn't be counted. I'm going to argue that it should. I know, but you know he's going to argue that it shouldn't be right. counted. They're getting paid. What is he? What was he, one away? He was tied. He was tied. That's yeah. right. That's he's right. He's one and two now. Gosh, that's hilarious to me. 314, I'm sick of every NBA player complaining on every play if it's a foul or not. Yeah, it's, it's kind of overdone now. Yeah, it is overdone. But I don't know how you put the toothpaste back in the tube on that no. one. Yeah, especially with a team like the Grizzlies who are coming out of a series where everything was, I mean, every little tap in that Minnesota-Memphis series was getting called. Yeah. And now they're, you know, holding back some of the whistles in the Sun series. And I think, you know, and, and they're already getting a little bit frustrated about it. By the way, I like series. computers. As you guys know, I, I can go either way on analytics. But yesterday, I was... I, I was coming into the studio. There was something on ESPN. So the Suns, or no, the, the Warriors had gone to Memphis, and they were even in the series 1-1 coming home, and they said they had a 45% chance to win. The, the Warriors are winning that series. <laughs> so I, whatever your analytics say, it's wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah, it makes me sad. Um, 618, sick of listening to people make excuses for this offense and the approach at the plate. I'm not a fan of Jeff, Jeff Albert. Well, Who's making excuses? Yeah, I don't... I don't think oh, so. Oh, we got accused of uh, taking um, pay from uh, Mosellock to not complain about the offense. No, we are uh, actually... At 7, 10 a.m. We got that We have it on the record confirmed <laughs> that the Cardinals are That's not right. paying me. And we even said we're open for business. Yeah, right. I'm waiting for the check. Yeah, we haven't received it yet. No. I've got to make sure my address is updated if they're doling out checks. I already have the Paul Goldschmidt non-April stats ready. Don't worry. I have this argument ready. Just you know, send the check. 618. And again... If you don't like the idea of winning 94 games, then go follow the Reds. Also, just be look at what's happening with offense across baseball. I do think that that's worth noting. Yeah, it's it is. It's not just the Cardinals. It is worth noting the conversations that are happening about the baseballs. Um, I get that that's not what people want to hear, and we're not making excuses for them. But you do need to bring in other thought points. You know what I mean? If you're going to have an actual conversation about this, it is important to look around and see what's happening throughout the sport. But how many times have we said we've been having the same conversation about the Cardinals offense and the inconsistencies and the Jeff Albert approach for years now? I mean, maybe just because you weren't listening during the three minutes that we were talking about it doesn't mean that we weren't talking about it. We have three hours here, people. We may say things that you don't hear. By the way, Michelle, I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking at this this morning. Brewers' leading hitter is Rowdy Telez, 267 with seven homers, 21 RBIs. After him, Andrew McCutcheon, 242, Hunter Renfro, 233, Christian Yelich, 226. Uh, you've got um, Willie Adamas at 223. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, 220. And then Colton Wong at, at uh, 212. The Brewers aren't hitting either. Yeah. And no one's hitting, and that's what we've been talking about. Yeah. Mike Claiborne, Danny Mack, Greg Amzinger, like the, the people we bring up here who know everything going on around the MLB, every time we've brought them up in the last two weeks, they've mentioned humidors and wait until the, the weather gets a little bit warmer. The, right. That consistency of that point is not a fluke, people. Uh, I'm sick of refing across the NHL right now. What are these people looking at? Yeah. It's been It's been odd. I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll agree with them on that one. It's, yeah. been, it's been an odd. Uh, we got a bunch of here saying sick of it. Bad calls against Los Blues. Sick of the refing. I can't I can't figure out what they've been watching these last two games. A lot of people mad at the refs. Well, that's that's been hockey for 50 years that yeah. I've been watching. I was going to say, aren't we, aren't we conditioned to that right yeah, now? By now? Bad. That it? Thank you, that's Matthew. It. Thanks, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, have the Wild grab momentum in this series and... Does Jordan Pennington start on Friday? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The Blues fall 6-2 last night in Minnesota. The series even at a game apiece. And the Blues last night, Michelle, were obviously not on top of their game. Uh, several defensemen injured uh, Robert Bortuzzo during the game. And you were telling me that you and Alex Ferrario here in studio were actually watching the video of that play over and you looked at it as if it's a serious deal. Well, he got hit with the puck on the side of the face. And, and my first reaction was, oh my gosh, did he break his jaw? Because just the way his head went down and, and how quickly he got off the ice, you knew that something was severe 
seriously wrong. Now, I don't know exactly what part of the face that it the puck hit him, Randy, but either way, you're you're wondering about a potential concussion or uh, if, if it's not broken, the swelling that might happen there. Now, we know Chara had his jaw wired shut and was able to play. A lot of guys will play through an injury like that, but we just don't know the severity of it or what he's dealing with right now. And I know there's a lot of people out there this morning saying, after allowing five goals on 27 shots, 28 shots uh, by Minnesota, that or 27 shots because there was an empty in there, five on 27, that Huso uh, should not get the start. But Huso's been so dominant at home. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely coming back with Huso in Game 3. And I also look at the situation Huso was put in last night, and the defense didn't really help him out. It's not no. necessarily like we're looking at this 6-2 to two loss that the Blues endured and saying, oh, Billy Huso, I can't believe that he gave up all those goals. This was all his fault. No, it was circumstances. I mean, even if you go back to the first goal, Randy, of the game with Bortuzzo's stick breaking, yeah. tough break literally and figuratively, but what are you going to do there? What are you going to do in that situation? And there was a lot of wild players that were storming the net I just think the defense, even though Craig Berube did bring up a good point that they, they competed and did what they could, I just think that they were overmatched last night, and I would still ride with Villejuso. Meanwhile, the Blues were one of the least penalized teams in the league in the last quarter of the season. But in Game 1, both teams committed a total of 18 penalties, 9 for each side. Last night, 8 penalties on Minnesota, 6 on the Blues. So 32 penalties have been called in the first two games. Is that something that surprises Chief? It's a lot, but you know I don't. I'm not sure they're not penalties. You know, like I got to look at the game tonight more closely um, and decide on that. But um, again, it is what it is. Well, it is, but at the same time, one of the adages of playoff hockey is you let them play, and yeah, a lot of these, most of these are legit. But sometimes you just let stuff go and let the guys play. Are you talking about officiating? Yeah. Yeah, you'd think so. Especially when the the Spurgeon thing happens and you're not going to suspend him. I think you're you're sending a message that Bingo. it's the playoffs and we're going to allow a certain level of physicality and we're going to let certain things go. I would expect that to be a kind of a blanket thing then throughout the league and that some of these things wouldn't get called. What about for a guy on the ice, Colton Prake? Are you surprised? Maybe a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Um, but kind of like Robert said, it's... It's big. Special teams is big in this series so far, and um, big goals from in game one and two from both teams, and um, kind of was dictating a little bit of the play and kind of which way the games went a little bit. So um, just got to stick with it. Obviously, uh, long series, two two down, and um, nice to be going home. And obviously, if the Blues get their special teams going the way that they have during the season, then the Blues will win the series. If they continue to call penalties at this rate with the Blues' power play in PK and the Wilds' power play in PK, if they do what they did in the last quarter of the season, the Blues will win the series. Well, special teams was such a deciding factor in Game 1, yep. and you're absolutely right. If, if that continues to be a prevailing uh, storyline here, the Blues are going to take advantage of it. I'm just worried about the attrition on defense. I, I just wonder if they're going to be able to overcome that. I don't know when you're going to get Letty back. You don't know about Scandella. Bortuzzo's a big question mark. If those three guys are out again for Game 3 and potentially some of them for Game 4, how, how do you overcome that if you're the Blues? I know that the Blues did battle back at points last night. We mentioned Vladimir Tarasenko almost ma- making it 4-3 to three at one point, which would have put them within a goal. And I think the thing you have a a shot at least the momentum is shifting but it just felt like for the majority of the game last night that the Blues were overmatched and Michelle too uh, 
to define your point there, when you look at what the Blues' top guys did defensively in terms of minutes, Pareko played 24-50, Falk played 26-39, and Krug played uh, 20, let's see, he only played 22-14, which is interesting, and then Callie Rosen played 16-34. So the, the big guys... Falk and Pareko played a ton of minutes, and because he got hurt, Robert Bortuzzo only played 453. We need those nine 20 plus goal scorers to step up. We need more offensive generation from the Blues, too. But I don't know, Randy. The, the Wild did a very good job of turning the page, coming back to game two, and regaining their composure. The, the Blues tried to bait them early on, too, and they did not take it. Um, they played a more disciplined game. I fully expect the Blues to come back to Enterprise Center, have a short memory on this one, and feed off the fact that they're back at home. They know how talented they are. Mm-hmm. The, this is a group that is not rattled. There's no panic in there. And even though they might be dealing with injuries and be in a tough spot, you know that the way we're viewing it is not the way that they're viewing it. We've learned that out of this group. So global view, like Michelle said, you win the opener 4 nothing. you lose the second game 6-2. Coach Berube, did you do what you wanted to do by going into Minnesota and getting a split? Yeah, we're, you know, you got to, you come here, you get a split and you go home, you're, you're, you know, you're satisfied with that. But, you know, you know, we always, you know, in our minds, and I think we came out that way to win two. I thought we had a real good start to the game. Um but it is what it is. It's, uh, like I told you, it's going to be it's a hard-fought series. It's going to be a long, long series. And um, you, know, you just got to battle and stay with it. I love his even-keel approach. It, it's necessary at this time of year, especially in hockey. I think it's necessary all the time, but especially at this time of year. And nobody is rattled because the leader doesn't get rattled. It's very effective, too. You know that the guys respond to it. We've seen them do it time and time again. But he's right. He's he's not incorrect in what he's saying. You just have to continue to battle. That's yeah. what the Stanley Cup playoffs is. You're always going to be dealt an obstacle, whether it's a hand pass or it's an injury. And, and this is why it's a series, Randy. It's what team can weather the ups and downs that are going to come your way better. We know that better than anybody here in St. Louis. And one more thing. We would assume that Nick Letty has a concussion. And Nick Letty has won a Stanley Cup. Nick Letty has made money. The Blues obviously want him to play. And my guess would be that he wants to play. But somebody's got to protect Nick Letty from himself, right? If he's got a concussion, you can't let him play for a week. No, you can't. Absolutely not. But, gosh, we... The Blues need him. They need him. They right. need Steady Letty. They need him out there, Randy. But yeah, you you can't if he's dealing with that type of an injury, the decision is made for him. He's not going to be no. able to make it. And that was a monster hit. You talk about getting crunched. He he got crunched in that opener. Think about what we're talking about. That hit that he endured. Robert Bortuzzo with the puck to the face. Hockey players are just animals. They're yeah. absolutely built different. Toughest, toughest people in sports, no doubt about it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. It's time for Take It or Leave It on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. 
Take it or leave it. I'm 101 ESPN. Michelle, uh, this one's easy. Take it or leave it. You are happy with the Cardinals averaging about five runs a game over the last four games. Over the last four games? Yeah, take it. But they have scored seven, one, one, and ten. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it's a little top-heavy. Yeah, and you look at this offense, it's crazy. I mean, you've gone, let me just give you the last ten games. You've gone... uh, one run, two, zero, ten, eight, two, zero, and then you had one where you you scored seven, and then one, one, and ten. It's you, you aren't scoring five. It, it's it, feast or famine, right? It totally is. We talked about this a lot last year too, feast or famine. I remember that. There, there's some trends. I want to go back to, the, and we'll have to find that last July Tommy Edmond quote because they had the on the mm-hmm. Valley broadcast yesterday. Did you see the stats that the Cardinals in pretty much every category are number one in the first inning? And Tommy Edmond talked last year about our in-game adjustments. And if you're scoring more than anybody and hitting better than anybody in the first inning, but then you're coming up with these results, uh-huh. it's got to be an issue with in-game adjustments. Yeah, I still wish that we knew more about what those comments were pertaining to and how things shifted after mm-hmm. the comments were made. Because they did. Because they did shift. And I'm wondering if the Cardinals leaned more into what Jeff Albert was telling them to do or if they independently started taking things into their own hands and making their own adjustments. Because remember, there was a lot of different comments that were flying around after that about, well, guys have to be prepared themselves. They need to yep. show up to the ballpark and be prepared. Um, but then there was comments made in the offseason about how guys needed to do more about leaning into analytics and and lean more into what the Cardinals were saying and then they would have consistent success so I know it's probably unique to the individual about how they approached that but I would I would really like to know what caused the success and I think we and more so they need to be honest with ourselves because we all watch the games when Jim Edmonds is doing analysis on Bally, right? Yeah. And we know that he's texting with players and communicating with players. And that's why people say Jim Edmonds should be the hitting coach, because he's he's talking about that. So clearly not every player is going to only Jeff Albert or Turner Ward. Yeah, they're seeking counsel from, from yeah. Jim Edmonds because they know how talented he is. And if you listen to him on the broadcast, he sees the game differently. Mm-hmm. And players are actually smart to utilize him as a resource. I certainly would want to if I was a player. I also love that you're seeing Albert Pujols showing yeah. player stuff mechanically. If you have guys like Albert and Jim Edmonds at your disposal, use them. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely use them. But I'd, we'll never really know. We'll never know all the intricacies behind the scenes and what went down last season and how where Mike Schilt really lied with all of this and how much that might have factored into the fact that he's no longer with the club. But there was there was a shift, and you did see more consistent results offensively, and the Cardinals did go on a historic winning streak. So clearly something worked. Michelle, there's a legendary story about the 2016 Blues where Hitchcock was getting on the players' nerves, and he came into the dressing room one time, and Troy Brower said, hey, why don't you just go away for about three days? And Hitchcock did. What would happen if this weekend in San Francisco, if Jeff Albert would go away for about three days? And it would be the people that you're talking about. It'd be Turner Ward. It'd be Nolan Arenado, Albert Pujols, Paul Goldschmidt. Jim Edmonds is on the trip. If Jeff Albert goes away for three days, I wonder what would happen. I don't know. Be interesting, wouldn't it? Good question. Hmm. Who needs to say it? 
But how do we know that it's e- it's even his comments or what he's preaching that's the problem? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but that, that's why I'm intrigued by it. Yeah, yeah, for By sure. the way, one interesting tidbit. I was at the game talking to a Cardinal person on Monday, with that day game, and I was told that, hey, this is becoming Albert's clubhouse. I thought that was really interesting. Albert Pujols? Yeah. Yeah. With And obviously, Yachty has been the guy, but... There's so much incredible respect for Albert that here we are a month into his season back and yeah, it's becoming Albert's clubhouse. I'm kind of surprised that it's not already Albert's clubhouse. It might be. Just by the way that I've been observing things when we've been down at the ballpark or what we see um, on the broadcasts. Think of, this man walked into Jupiter and got a standing O <laughs> right. from his peers. It's... He is a living legend. He's one of the greatest baseball players to ever live. And you're going to give him a certain amount of reverence Mm -hmm. and respect. But also, he's so happy to be here. Right. You know, he's he's treating it. um, He's, of course, giving the fact that he's here in his job the weight that it deserves. But there's a certain levity that he's brought back where I think it's probably ignited a lot of guys where they're just so excited to be around him. And... That's pretty cool. If if you're think think about if you're, oh gosh, Harrison Bader, and you look around the clubhouse, and there's Adam Wainwright, there's Yadi, your Molina, there's Albert Pujols. If if you're somebody like Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, you've grown up observing these guys, watching them. You're not taking that for granted. Right. You are not going to take for granted the fact that you're in the presence of these three guys. You're going to soak it up as much as you can. Even if you're a multiple-time All-Star and Gold Glove winner like Arenado, That's right? That's right. Same Absolutely. Thing. He talked about that with us, about how excited he was to play with Albert, even though they had a relationship that preceded Albert returning to St. Louis. It's just really cool. So, listen, no matter what clubhouse Albert walks in, it's going to be at least some yeah, percent of right. the clubhouse is going to be his because when Albert speaks, people listen. Yep. And as they should. Um, Randy, take it or leave it. Ville Husso's between the pipes in game three. Going to take it. He was so good at home, and that really set him apart from Bennington this year. And I don't think you can completely blame him. You can blame him for some of the goals last night, but you just can't take the snapshot and say that's the, pic- the whole picture. It's one part of a mosaic. And so I think he's got to get the start at home. I'm with you. I would keep, I would stick with Huso too. And he'll be dominant too. He's a pretty good bounce back guy. All right, your tech 65780. Here is Matthew Rocchio. What do you got? Take it or leave it. Adam Wainwright is competing at the highest level a 40 year old professional athlete has ever done in St. Louis sports history. Oh, I'm glad you added St. Louis sports history. Yeah, because Tom Brady exists. Uh, yeah, right. Um, Who's the other candidates, I guess? Brock. How old was Lou Brock when he retired? He was he hit about 300 in his last year. Uh, so Lou Brock in his age 40 season in 436 plate appearances hit 304, oh slugged 398. He had an OPS of 739, which was his best in his since he was 37. He had 38 RBI as well and 123 hits. So pretty good. I would put that with uh, with him. Uh, 1996, Dennis Eckersley uh, had a team-high 30 saves at the age of 41. Then he saved 30 more, or 36 more, in 97 with a 3.91 ERA. Oh, my God. So, uh, you've had some pretty good 40-year-old guys. Wow. But Adam Wainwright tied for first. I would say so. And Eckersley may or may not have had help. (laughs) 
618. Take it or leave it after the last half in the first two in the first two of this series. It shows me if they want to get Letty, they got if they want to get Yeah, this is a weirdly worded tweet. I apologize. Take it or leave it. After the last half in the first two of this series, it shows me that if the Blues want to keep winning, they have to get Letty signed to a long-term contract. I'm going to leave that. Uh, I don't... Coach Vermeil always says, you never want to have a gotta have. Mm -hmm. And so, no, Letty is a nice player, but there's nobody that you gotta have. Because if Letty's going to cost you... What it would take to have Matthew Kachuk on your team, you don't do it. Absolutely not. But I do think we are seeing how valuable he's been to the Blues. Uh, no doubt. You know that he came in and it, it felt like he was very cohesive off the start and he was a steadying force and that he's been effective. Sometimes the best case you can make for someone is when they're removed from the equation. Look at Jack Flaherty. We knew how, mm-hmm. how talented Jack Flaherty was, but when you removed him from the equation last year, the state of the Cardinals was drastically altered. Yeah, Ms. Doug Armstrong hasn't made many mistakes as general manager of the Blues. I'll bet if he had the chance to get take that Scandella contract back, he would, though. Because that's the money that you would like to give to Nick Letty. And by the way, they they still like Perunovic. And if he can be healthy, he can do a lot of the things that Nick Letty has done in getting the puck out of his own zone. What a difference 24 hours makes. 618, take it or leave it. This series goes 7. I'm going to leave it. I picked 7 at the outset. Now, after game one, I was regretting that choice, but this is why it's a series. They, it's a long time. You, you, there's many games, and the Blues' fortune certainly shifted a little bit after game two, but Randy, I could totally see it going seven games. So, Michelle, here's what's going to happen. Blues are going to win the next two. They'll be up 3-1, go to Minnesota, lose 3-2, and we're, we're all going to be saying, yeah, it's going seven, but then they're going to come back and win game six. I would love for that to happen. I don't yes. want it to go to a game seven. I know you don't. I only enjoy Game 7s if it's not the team that you have an emotional interest in. Game 7s are torture. a better best and worst at the same time than a Game 7 with your team? How about overtime Game 7? Yikes. It's the best and worst. It really is. You feel you simultaneously have never felt more alive, but also feel like you're dying. Mm-hmm. You yeah. feel like at any moment you could expire, but also it's like a drug. Right. Uh, it's the highest of highs. Matthew watches Winning Time, the Lakers thing on HBO. It's I great. Need, I'm waiting till it's all done so I can binge it. So there, you'll love it. It's great. I've heard it's outstanding. But there was a great line the other night, Bill Sharman talking to Jerry West. He said, you know, I served in Korea and we're all watching games on TV once a week. We got a chance to tune into games and once a week we got to watch a game. And somebody said, you know, here we are. We're we're people are dying and we're here watching games. How can we watch games? And Charmin stopped and thought, and he said, how can we not? <laughs> we're a bunch of kids dodging death. Yeah, right. That's how he described, yeah. how he described it. And we're trying to end where we still care about a sports game. How can we not? That's, it's, yeah. that's, I mean, if there's any like overly romantic way to describe why we love what we do, that quote is exactly yep. up the alley. How can you not? How can you not? Exactly. And, uh, and that's why we love sports, right? We want to yeah. chase that high of game seven. Once you experience it, you're chasing it the rest of your life. Right, right. You're chasing that. You're chasing the David. We will be chasing the David Freeze moment forever. We will. Yeah, you're right. Because 
And we'll be chasing the, the feeling of, of the Blues winning in the Stanley Cup we will. forever. You can close your eyes and remember exactly where you were when that final horn sounded and you realized the Blues were champions. Mm-hmm. And you can feel it. If you really think about it and put yourself back in that moment, you can feel it. Which is why even when the offense is bad, you're, you're still invested in the Cardinals. Or even why, you know, if things go awry for the Blues, you come back year after year because we're chasing that high. It's great. Speaking of NHL, take it or leave it. No video review on delay of game and measly $5,000 fines on seven-figure athletes remind us that the NHL still has some work to do. Wait, can you say that again? Take it or leave it. No video review on delay of game and a measly $5,000 fine on seven-figure athletes remind us that the NHL has some work to do. Oh, yeah. Take it, of course. Take it, of course. It's unbelievable the way they it's unbelievable the way some of this gets called. And take it or leave it if the Blues lose game three, then Bennington plays game four. Yeah, I'll take that. I think it depends on how they lose it. If they lose one nothing in overtime. Yeah, good good call. That's fair. I thought Minnesota's uh head coach had a great reasoning for Flurry playing yesterday and it was like he he stopped everything. It's just that you can't expect your goalie to make thirty rebound saves throughout a game. And I wonder if that's kind of the deciding factor we're looking at. Is Huso getting beat or is people just getting beat in front of him and he's taking the brunt from it? Yeah, I, I think that he's fine. By the way, we did get a text that said that Randy sounds just like uh Lou Brown from Major League. Uh, I'll think about it. Hey, I'll call you back. I got a set of white walls I need to sell. So, yeah, Lou Brown, Major League, great stuff. Uh, Coming up, the Blues do fall 6-2 to Minnesota last night. How can they bounce back in Game 3? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. So, Michelle, I just got a flattering text from the 314. Randy's... Sounds like Isaac Hayes with a touch of Barry White. Wow, that is flattering. I'm excited to know that. You know, there were a lot of okay things. If you're going to lose 6-2, like the Blues did last night, there are some things to take out of that game. Uh, The Blues only had uh, four giveaways. Now they only had a couple of takeaways, uh, but they didn't turn the puck over a lot. They did a good job of playing a physical game. They out-hit Minnesota 39-21. to In terms of shot attempts, the Blues took 39 shots. They had 20 uh, shots that were uh, blocked or just uh, not didn't make it to the net, and then 12 misses. So they had 66 opportunities that they, they took the shot at the net. So there were some good things that happened last night. There were, and the Blues had a great chance from Vladimir Tarasenko down the stretch. It would have put them within a goal, and I kind of felt the momentum building at that point, Randy, for the Blues. They were battling back, and I thought, man, if they could just get within one, I have a feeling that they could come back and have the equalizer here and maybe even take this thing. But the first period was just all Minnesota Wild, and I was doing the pre-pre-game, pre-game, and intermissions with our friend Alex Ferrario yesterday, and... In our first intermission report, I said, how many times this season have the Blues been in a first period deficit? And they've been absolutely amazing in the second period. They they find their way and they're able to claw out of a lot of situations. So I wasn't 
I was hoping that that's what we were going to see in game two yesterday. But I just think that the the injuries that this team has sustained to the defense proved to be a pretty big deciding factor in this one yesterday. And that's that's out of your control. That's not something that you can really deal with when you have Robert mm-hmm. Portuzo exit a game like that and you're already down Scandella and you're already down Letty. That's a tough spot for Billy Huso to be in. That's a tough spot for the Blues to be in. But I thought all things considered, we certainly saw some good things and saw some fight out of this team. And I wouldn't even, I would not be surprised even if they're missing those three guys on defense, if they find a way to, to pull out the winning game three. I wouldn't be surprised either. Here's Colton Pareko on playing without Letty. Yeah, obviously good player. Um, I think all year long though we've we've done a good job of just guys wave after wave filling in spots, and um, I don't know. That's that's one of the beauties of our team is our depth, and uh, obviously the guys came in played well today too. I thought so. Um, just got to keep going, and um, whoever's in the lineup, we just got to worry about what what we got in the lineup, and um, just push forward with that. That's the key. We're, you can't worry about what you don't have. You have to worry about what you do have. And Michelle, the best way to overcome defensive losses, personnel losses, and I go back to this all the time, and I thought it was interesting yesterday. Jamal Mayers said, this is a three-line team now. This is not going to be like 2019, where you're just going to have yeah. wave after wave keeping the puck in the offensive zone. But that's what the, the Blues need to do is allow the defense to not have to work so much by maintaining puck possession in the offensive zone. That's absolutely right. Take take it out of their hands. Mm-hmm. Sh- shift the, the control. You can absolutely do that. We're getting a lot of response, Randy, from people. Would you like to hear what uh, the BLIS has to say about the game I would loss? love to hear what they have to say. Okay, from the 636, are you too high? The Blues outplayed them two of three periods last night. I, I That's what I said at the top. I, there's but, things to feel good about. Yeah, and the, but the first period also exists, yeah. and and you did lose six to two. Yes. But when you if you lose six two, um, I, I believe I said at the top of this segment, Blues had sixty six attempts. They out hit them. They won the face off battle. They didn't turn the puck over. There are good things to take out of this. And no, can confirm we are not high. A little Sudafed though. Randy's got the Mountain Dew and Sudafed working. I've got the coffee working, but mm-hmm. that's really it for me. Um, but no, we are not high. No, oh, not unfortunately. Uh, Tim, or excuse me, stepdad Gary says, chalk last night up to the hockey gods and move on. The Blues didn't look terrible, but just hope Portuzo is okay. Who sews in on Friday if it's up to me? I am with you 100% on all counts. Me too. Same. You guys, let's not panic. This series is going to go seven. One baddish game does not give you enough of a reason to pull Huso. Now, if we get to a game seven, regardless of how we get there, do we get the, take the panic bus through the wash, at least? Are you looking for the keys now at all? I, I think at playoff time you have to. You have to know where the keys are. They're just in your purse ready to yeah, go or yep. in your, your coat pocket. Right. You just know that they're they're there. Right. See, I I usually put the the panic bus keys in a breaking case of emergency breaking case of emergency console because I don't want to have to go there because once I grab the keys I'm already gone mentally about it, yeah. I'm already gone mentally and I don't feel like I'm looking for the keys after game two because you're right the Blues had a lot of positive things last night and they dealt with injuries and they're coming home they're right. coming they're coming back to Enterprise Center where Billy Huso has played great all season so I'm not panicking just yet but if it's game seven. I don't know if it's the panic bus keys if or if it's the I'm going to need the anxiety airbag. Take it or leave it. You've lost keys before, obviously been frustrated, and looked for them in the trash can. 
I'm leaving that. I've never looked for keys. I have. I get so mad when I lose my keys. And invariably, I wind up, you know, they're under a hat or something. But yeah, I, I've looked in the trash can for keys. Did you ever find them in the trash can? No, thank goodness. Okay, good. But then I, I never blame myself either. I just, I wouldn't, if, if they're in the trash, I'm not looking for it. That's going to be a problem. So the 618 says, so many pucks were turned over right in front, right in Husso's lap last night. You can't put all the goals on him. No, you can't. No, there were some unfortunate occurrences that allowed Minnesota to have great opportunities. And Kaprizov's a star, right? He's great. Yeah, so uh, if he gets a hat trick, granted one was an empty netter, but that's going to happen. You knew that you weren't going to be able to contain him no. the way that you did in game right. one for the entire series. That was a given. Uh, and finally, Randy, the 618 says, I must, must have watched a different hockey game last night. In the first period, up to the point of the Wilds' first goal, the Blues are the better team. I just think it was a weird game, and the note will bounce back. So we're all feeling good. That's good. No panic bus at all. Well, except for now we got a different one from the 314. No need to sugarcoat it, you two. The Blues played like crap pretty much the whole night. Or at least that's what I'd call it when you let in seven goals. Well, they let in six. They let in six, And yes. one was a, an empty netter. Correct. So it is what it is. Hey, we, we weren't playing. And after the first period, you're down 4 nothing. You, you played them even the rest of the day, rest of the night. And first period, well, actually you outplayed them because they scored one goal in the first minute of the Second period. So, hey, uh, you'll get another opportunity on Friday, tomorrow night. <laughs> you know what? We are going to take a break here. Coming up, there we go. Coming up next, Nolan Gorman. He's been absolutely raking in the minors. When are the Cardinals going to see him at the major league level? Randy's going to cough, and we're going to bring you back <laughs> next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Randy and Michelle with you on 101 ESPN, and a lot of people in Cardinal Nation want the Cardinals to move Tommy Edmond to shortstop and to bring up Nolan Gorman to play second base. And it's a logical thought because neither of the shortstops are hitting and mm-hmm. Gorman is hitting the daylights out of the ball down at AAA. Now, last weekend, Ali Marmal mentioned that the Cardinals have heard that chatter and they thought about it, but he doesn't want them to weaken themselves at two defensive positions. Tommy Edmond has not played shortstop in more than a year. Mm -hmm. He didn't play any reps at shortstop in spring training. And Nolan Gorman has less than 100 games at second base in his professional career. So defensively, the Cardinals are reluctant to do that. But the question is, Michelle, how do the Cardinals get Gorman up here and into the lineup? For me, I see the way Corey Dickerson is performing. And if we get to... 10 days down the road, 15 days down the road, and Corey Dickerson is still not performing, you have to find a way to get Dickerson's bat into your lineup. At not at the expense of your defense, and that would be the best way to do it. Yeah, you, and that's the thing that the Cardinals have been saying is when Nolan Gorman does get the call, we want and need him to play every day. We want to make sure that he's getting enough of a runway to show what he can do and get comfortable. And that's another thing, too. We know that Nolan Gorman has been sensational in the minors right now. 
But that doesn't mean that that's automatically going to translate at the major league level. There's a big gap in talent there. And for some guys, even if they've had a lot of success in the minor leagues, it takes a while for them to get acclimated to the majors. So I think that's a smart part on the Cardinals, or excuse me, a smart move on the Cardinals' part to make sure to give him enough time to really get acclimated when he comes here and not just make us a snap judgment move. But it is a, a particularly tricky situation that they're in because this team is built on defense. They have the best defense in the major leagues and the hardware to prove it. And that's how the team was constructed. That's how the the pitching staff was constructed with the defense in mind. And you really don't want to weaken yourself by shifting Tommy Edmond over and removing Paul mm-hmm. DeYoung from the equation if you don't know if Nolan Gorman is going to be up to the task defensively, especially up the middle. However, if we continue to see some of these trends offensively for the Cardinals and Nolan Gorman does continue to put up the numbers that he has in the minor leagues, he's going to make this decision for them. They're, yep. they're going to have to take a risk somewhere, whether that's at the expense of themselves defensively or or figuring out a way to get him up here in the DH position because even if it doesn't translate right away, you owe it to yourself to see if he can do it, especially if you need an infusion of that bat. Now, that being said, while I think Gorman is deserving of getting an opportunity at the major league level, I don't think that Paul DeYoung should necessarily be in the lineup because the Cardinals are global thinkers. They they look at things from 5,000 feet. Mm-hmm. Well, even if you look at things from 5,000 feet, you don't see a good Paul DeYoung. It's been three years now. It's been a long time since he's been a good offensive player at the major league level. And so with that being the case, I would be much more inclined if I were Ali Marmol and Mo to get Sosa in the lineup. Now, here's what Mo said to Katie Wu at The Athletic. If things don't change, trajectory or direction, then ultimately we're probably going to have to do something different. Nolan would get more of a major league opportunity at that point. I think we have to remind ourselves that we're a month into the season. We've had an odd first couple of weeks with weather and obviously a truncated spring training. You're seeing a lot of offensive stats down in general in this league, so we want to remain patient. But the guy's hitting less than 150. Might even be hitting less than 140 now. And... Mm -hmm. He, he's been bad for a long time. So I'm going to look at the big picture here, and I, I'm not going to say that Paul DeYoung should not be on the roster, but I do think that the Cardinals would benefit themselves after getting better last year when Sosa got into the lineup by getting Sosa back when he's healthy again, and he's on the COVID list, yeah. but get him back in there. Absolutely, and you saw a lot of things to be excited about in 2019 from Paul DeYoung. And in 2020, he dealt with COVID and obviously had a lot of effects from that. And it affects players or people differently. But that was something that the Cardinals certainly took stock in, is that it was an unprecedented year and he was dealing with a lot of health issues that could have affected him as a player. Then last year, he has the rib issue and we're looking at that being something that could have hindered his performance. But at some point, Randy, whether it's Paul DeYoung, who we really like and have seen a lot of great things from in years prior, or somebody like Matt Carpenter, who you also love and you've seen great things from in years prior, at what point point are you going to say this is enough of a sample size for me to make a decision and I know that they want to give him every opportunity possible and and John Mosellock is looking at all the different contributing factors here including the short and spring training the weather and the offense that you're seeing throughout baseball right now 
and he's more patient than we are. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals are are far more patient than we are because I think if it was up to most people listening, they would have already made a decision on the future of Paul DeYoung. But I just don't know if you're ever going to see enough from him at the plate for you to feel comfortable right. giving him more of a runway. And it, what do you always say? It gets early fast. It, yeah. And in a division where this could come down to the wire, you need to put your best players in there at every point to help you win. And I do think there are positions where you can carry a lesser bat. But Paul DeYoung is hitting like a pitcher now. And he hit ninth yesterday. He's hitting 127 with a 444 OPS. Those are pitcher numbers. And we got rid of the pitcher hitting, right? And so there isn't a great excuse. 21 strikeouts in 63 at-bats. He's literally striking out a third of the time. It's just not good enough, and it hasn't been good enough for a while. So when Sosa is off the COVID list and is feeling good to go again, I would like to see that. But I would not, would not move Edmund to short and put Gorman at second because I just think that takes too much away from your defense. In regards to Paul DeYoung, what are his options? Can he go back down? He to- can. He's got he's got four years of major league service and two options left. And an option lasts for a whole year. So you can send him back and forth this year and next. Would you make that move if you're the Cardinals? I know that would be a tough pill for him to swallow, but it might be the best thing for him. If it's a mental to get out of mm-hmm. the spotlight, to take the pressure off, and really focus on getting himself back, that might be the best option for him. Yes, the pressure would be decreased. But I think if you're the Cardinals, and we know how they they look at things from an optics standpoint, what if he goes down and gets better away from Jeff Albert? What if Nolan Gorman comes to the major league level and regresses? There you go. But you could also look at the fact that there is a talent disparity between the minors and the majors, and yeah. I'm sure that that's what the Cardinals would be looking at. But, yeah, that would be... That would certainly be interesting. It's just, from their standpoint, and this is just an observation, it's nothing that they've told me, but I think fans look at it this way. They seem to look at optics a lot. They'd certainly play the contract. And the optics would not be good at all if you take DeYoung away from Jeff Albert, he starts hitting, comes back, and he's still hitting, and it wasn't because of Jeff Albert. And as a matter of fact, he hit 127 with Jeff Albert as his hitting instructor. Well, that's, you know what, that will be every mic drop that we have. If if yeah. Paul DeYoung goes down to the minors and he starts to find himself offensively again, you know that any mic drop that we play is going to point to that. You're right. And whether that's the reason or not, whether it could just be as simple as, he got out of his own head because he was in the minors and didn't feel the pressure that he felt up in St. Louis, and that's why he's having success. But every mic draft that we have, every person that's observing this is going to say, well, he got away from the Cardinals' approach, and he's finding success. And people that worked with Jeff Albert at the minor league level, Donnie Ecker, who was with San Francisco last year in Texas now, hitting coaches that were down there, are having success with the same approach. I don't know why it's not working here. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't it the same approach organizationally? Yeah. Yeah, so that's why you have to keep that in mind as well. Yeah, I, I wish I knew what the answer was. I'm sure they do too. But at the end of the day, and by the way, read Katie's piece at The Athletic. It's great. I do think that Nolan Gorman for this year, when they bring him up and he's getting at-bats on a regular basis, my guess is that it's going to be as a designated hitter and then maybe a fill-in at third to give Arenado a day off his feet or a day for Goldie where he would be off his feet. I would think that would be the approach.
I hope we see him sooner rather than later. I'm intrigued. I yeah. want to see that bat up at the major league level. I want to see how it plays here. I do too. And the question is going to be, how quickly are the Cardinals willing to swallow the $5 million of Corey Dickerson? Yeah, good question. We'll find out. And just they, they hired him four or $5 million as a power hitter to this point in this season, Michelle, with the Cardinals. He's got only 49 plate appearances, but he has a double. No triples and no home runs. One extra base hit in 49 plate appearances. That's not what they signed Corey Dickerson to do. And if this is the year that you circled that you think that you can go for it and win, you you know it's mm-hmm. Yadier Molina's final year. You know Adam Wainwright's career is coming to a close at some point. Albert Pujols for one year. If this is the year that you really thought you were going for it, you can't have any sort of a complex about admitting that you were wrong. You just need to pull the plug and do what's best for the team and go for it. I always look at the Blues in 2019. Mike Yo was handpicked by Army to be Hitch's successor. That couldn't have been an easy decision for him to say, I admit that I was wrong. I put together this team. There's a lot of talent here and clearly I didn't put the right guy at the helm and we're going to make an in-season head coach adjustment and bring Craig, Craig Berubian, but it worked out. It worked out. He was brave enough to admit that he made a mistake. He corrected the mistake, and they got a cup out of it. And sometimes luck plays a role because Pat Maroon was days away from being released by that team, too. We didn't even know if he was going to make it for his own bobblehead exactly. night at that Enterprise was, Center. That's what kept him around. Absolutely. His bobblehead night. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. And it does luck does play a big factor, but I, I just think that if you really believe that this team is a team that can contend, you need to take ego out of it, you need to take contracts out of it, and the best players should find a way to play. And Michelle, I'm sc- scrolling right now. Scrolling, scrolling. I do not see a Corey Dickerson bobblehead or jersey giveaway. Oh, really? So, time is now. So that's not going to save him is what you're saying? I don't think so. (laughs) The fight is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. It is time for the fight here on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. 834 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Nate is going to be Randy's competitor this morning, and he's joining us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Nate. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today, Michelle? I'm doing so great. Thanks so much for asking. Actually, it could be better. Now that I just said that out loud, it's raining, the blues lost. It could be better. But yeah, I said I we're, we're operating at like a 7 of 10. Yeah, sounds right. So you two, 7 of 10? I'll go with, yeah, 7 of 10. Okay, well, hopefully you can beat Randy this morning and we can bump that up to at least a 9. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe even a 10 of 10 if we're feeling crazy. Well, good luck, Nate. We're pulling it's for you. Good to Maya, so hopefully, yes. <laughs> you got it. All right, question number one. The Blues only have one Vezina Trophy in their history, and it's a split award. What goalie pairing won the award? Was it Brian Elliott and Jake Allen, Rick Wamsley and Mike Liute, or Glenn Hall and Jacques Plante? Uh, Hall and Plante. What player holds the record for most career home runs in the World Series with 18? Is that Mickey Mantle, 
Babe Ruth or Yogi Berra? I'm going to go with Mickey Mantle. Congrats to Dusty Baker on his 2,000th win. Which National League Central team does he have the most career wins against? Is it the St. Louis Cardinals, the Milwaukee Brewers, or the Pittsburgh Pirates? He was with the Cubs and the Reds, and the Pirates were bad the entire time. So I'm going to go with the Pirates. And the Reds are currently on pace to win about 21 games. In the modern era of the Major League Baseball, 1900 through now, what franchise owns the worst win total ever with 36 set in both the 1916 and 1919 seasons? Is it the Philadelphia Athletics, the Boston Braves, or the Washington Senators? What were those years again? Uh, 36 wins in 1916 and 1919. And it was Senators, Braves, or and was their team? Uh, the Athletics, the Braves, or the Senators? I'm going to go with the Braves because I think the Senators won in 1920. Okay, let's check our score here. Waving in Randy. Confidence check from you, Nate. How you feeling? Uh, not great. I just always wanted to say that. <laughs> so you're saying not great, but you're in reality feeling great? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Okay, good. You should feel pretty good. You did well. Randy, say good morning to Nate. Good morning, Nate. How you doing? I'm doing great. You sound fantastic, Randy. Thank you very much. Yeah, I feel terrible. I wouldn't be surprised if I lost this one. I'll take it. <laughs> Nate, he's he's trying to bait you here. This is classic opposition manipulation. Well, actually, no, it's not, because Nate already completed his, his version yeah. of the fight. So... But I see what you're doing here, Randy. Oh, I feel so terrible today. Maybe I won't remember any sports trivia. Yeah, right. Please spare me. We know that mind, the voice might be rough, but the mega mind is still there. Oh, we'll see. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Question number one for mega mind for Randy Carricker. The Blues only have one Vezina trophy in their history, and it's a split award. What goalie pairing won the award? I would think that it would be Jacques Plant and Glenn Hall. In their, uh, one of their first, maybe the second season, Plant and Hall. What player holds the record for most career home runs in the World Series with 18? Mickey Mantle, Mantle, Mantle. Congrats to Dusty Baker on his 2000th win. Which National League Central team does he have the most career wins against? It would seem that he had a lot of success against the Cardinals. Um because he was with the Cubs and the Reds. So it would be the Cardinals or the Pirates because the Brewers were in the American League for a lot of his career. Um, He was also with the Cubs. So I'm going to say Cards or Pirates. I'm going to go with the... this This is only regular season, correct? Yes. Okay. I'll go Pirates. The Reds are currently on pace to win about 21 games. In the modern era of the MLB 1900 through now, what franchise owns the worst win total ever at 36, set in both the 1916 and 1919 seasons? 36 wins in 16 and 19. I'll do the old lifeline here, Matthew. The Philadelphia Athletics, the Boston Braves, or the Washington Senators? Hmm. I think I'll go Washington. Wow. What a fight. 
Can I express my disappointment right now in this fight? Yeah. That we weren't asked who hit the final home run at Old Bush Stadium. Ooh. You wanted that question? I did. Mom. Because it was Chris Duncan. Mm, yes, it was. I think, I'm, I think, yes, I, it I was. think that got used. I'm surprised right there wasn't before. a dunk question today yeah. on his birthday. I know. Completely missed out on that. I know. But you know we'll what? raise a soda for, for dunk. Yes, we shall. Miss you, dunk. We're headed to the tiebreaker round, gentlemen. All Nate right. and Randy both got three right apiece, and they both got question number four wrong, which I can't believe because I know both of you guys were around in 1916 and 1919. Philadelphia was Connie Mack, wasn't it? He didn't get fired. It was, in fact, Philadelphia. But let's go to the tiebreaker round. You know why he didn't get fired, Michelle? Tell me. He owned the team. That's right. He was the owner. He was the owner-manager. That's right. Um, here's how the tiebreaker is going to work, boys. I'm going to read the question. Randy's going to write his answer down on a sheet of paper. We're going to give Nate first crack at it. We'll give you about 10 seconds, Nate, to give us your answer. Randy then will reveal what he wrote down on the yellow legal pad here with a Sharpie, as he wants me to denote here. And uh, first you get it correct or closest to the pin wins. And let's hope you both don't have the same answer because then we need a second tiebreaker True. question, which we don't have on the sheet here. So let's just hope that that's not the case. Nate, are you ready? Yes, I am. Randy, are you ready? Ready. <clears throat> My voice is starting to go too. This oh. isn't good. I know. Here's the tiebreaker question. How many stolen bases did Ricky Henderson finish his career with? How many stolen bases did Ricky Henderson finish his career with? Nate, whenever you're ready. Mm. I'm going to go with 1,045. 1,045 for Nate. Randy Carricker says? 1,215. Neither one of you got it correct, but one of you is indeed closer to the pin. Is it Nate or is it Randy? Did Randy overcome an illness to win the fight today? Or did Nate take advantage of his vulnerability? Matt, ring the bell. Just win, baby. Nate, I'm sorry. It came down to the tiebreaker. Randy was closer to the pin, but you did a great job. I'll, I'll take about an 8 out of 10 today. Then made my day better anyway. Good. So I'm I, glad we I could bump Randy you up. Win. It's fine. Thank you very much for joining us, Nate. Great to have you with us. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. You too. <laughs> That's all you got? I do. I love that one. It's great. It's Nelly, our hometown guy. Win, 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 win. Don't stop believing. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Oh, it's too hot. Feeling hot, hot, hot. It's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. I'm kind of a big deal. Congratulations, Randy. Even through an illness, you somehow pulled out the victory. Good job. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Here's the answers. The Blues have only won one Vezina Trophy in their history. It's a split award. Glenn Hall and Jacques Plante. That's the pairing that took home the award for the Blues. Mickey Mantle, Mickey Mantle holds the record for most career home runs in the World Series with 18. Dusty Baker shouts to him on his 2000th win. The National League Central team that he has the most career wins against is the Pittsburgh Pirates. 152 wins against the Buccos for Dusty. And the Reds are currently on pace to win about 21 games. That is just... Yikes. I rounded up. Depressing. That bums me out just reading that sentence. That's terrible. In the modern era of Major League Baseball, 
the year 1900 until now, the franchise that owns the worst win total ever at 36. It was set in both the 1916 and 19 seasons. It's the Philadelphia Athletics. Connie Mack. But had a better winning percentage than (laughs) Ricky Bobby. If you ain't first, you are indeed last. Wise words. Point zero. Which led us to the tiebreaker round. The question here, how many stolen bases did Ricky Henderson finish his career with? Nate with a strong guess, 1,045. Randy with a better guess, 1,215. The correct answer, everyone, 1,406 stolen bases for Ricky Henderson in his career. When Nate first said his answer, I thought he said 1,405. Like, I thought he said 1,405, and I was going to be like, you got to be kidding me, dude. And then he said 1,045. I was like, okay, never mind. I thought he was going to get one away or just out of the dark. But Randy gets it anyway. That's the fight on 101 ESPN coming up. Former Blues defenseman Barrett Jackman. How do the Blues come back against Minnesota on Friday? He'll tell us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy with you on 101 ESPN. We head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and our friend Barrett Jackman, former blues player and one of the great blues alumni, joins us on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Jax, good morning. How you doing? Uh, it'd be a lot better if it wasn't raining and it was on the uh, golf course like you. I, I know. This is kind of miserable. I don't know if I would make the... Even if it was sunny with this voice going, I don't know if I could do the golf course today, Barrett. <laughs> yeah, it's... About time to hit puberty there, uh, Randy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so um, you are, and you individually, hockey players in general, are really great about compartmentalizing and putting especially a playoff game behind them. Uh, How do you do that? From If you're the Blues last night, how do you put a game like last night behind you, and how long does it take? Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, they'll put it behind them pretty quick. Uh, there's a lot of experience in that uh, dressing room and a lot of ups and downs in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, they, they got a few things that they could clean up from last night, and they know that, uh, you know, the penalty kill, uh, you know, is usually the strong suit. To, uh, and last night that, that wasn't the case. But uh, really, they, you know, they know what uh, what a playoff series looks like, and, and they knew it was going to be tough. And so, I don't think they thought they were going to sweep uh, Minnesota. So, they're uh, back on home ice. They'll be uh, be excited, and uh, they'll be ready to go. Barrett, the big storyline in this one is injuries for the Blues defense. You are without Nick Letty, Marco Scandella is not available, and then Robert Bortuzzo leaves in the first period after blocking a shot with his face. Uh, a lot of defensive injuries for the Blues to overcome here, and that could certainly be a swing factor in this series. Do you think it'll be too much for the Blues to overcome? Uh, yeah, it, it all depends on the severity of uh, you know those injuries. If it's it's one game or, or two, I think they can uh, overcome that. But if they're missing those guys for a long period of time, uh, you know, I don't even know who they really have in the uh, the minors to, to call up and, and and put in the lineup. So uh, long term, if if that's the case, I think they're uh, you know it'll be a concern. But uh, you know, hopefully, uh, all those uh, those three guys will. You know, be uh, be ready to go and available uh, in the next couple games. So that begs the question: You're coaching. You're on the ice with kids all the time. Do you have 20 minutes in you? 
<laughs> well, you know, skates uh, with the alumni on uh, Monday and Friday mornings. Uh, you know, I've, I've been getting a lot of ice time lately, so the, the <laughs> legs, uh, the legs are ready to go. <laughs> hey, Barrett, uh, you've watched this team all year long, and I, I want to get an idea from a player's perspective what the difference was when the Blues brought Nick Letty aboard, and with him out specifically, w- w- what does his loss? cause for the blues uh his skating ability is uh you know is pretty elite so um you know just getting the puck out of the uh out of the defensive zone and and allowing uh you know the forwards to uh to get the puck and and be playing the offensive zone i, I think that's the biggest thing for him uh you know and and you know defensively he's, he's pretty good at closing on guys and staying with them and uh, able to stay with some of the elite skaters, so uh, I really think uh, you know they'll. Uh, you know, last night they were kind of missing that a couple turnovers uh, uh, in the defensive zone, and uh, but uh, you know he he definitely uh, was a game changer. Uh, you know when he came to the Blues, and uh, uh, you know hopefully he's uh, you know he's back soon. Especially when you're trying to defend Kaprizov, right? Yeah, he's uh, he's an elite talent and. You know, three goals last night. You could see that. Uh, you know, it's going to be hard, and uh, you know, collectively as a team, they got to be able to, uh, you know, close the ice and, and not give him the opportunities that he had last night. Uh, Forty-six penalty minutes, Barrett, in Game One. We've seen a lot of physicality out of these two teams. Do you expect that to continue as the series goes on? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there's going to be more uh, more hatred, uh, you know, but I, I think it really comes down to which team can stay out of the penalty box and, and play on the edge without crossing it. And, you know, some of those penalties are, you know, a little questionable, and, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, that's the way the game is being called right now. So you got to adjust and, and uh, you know, play on the edge, uh, play clean, and, you know, and, and try and. Uh, uh, on the power play, uh, take advantage of that. As a player, does it take some time? Because normally during the playoffs, the officials let you guys play. So if they're calling 32 penalties here in the first two games, is it difficult to adjust to inconsistent officiating like that? Yeah, it, it's definitely tough. Uh, you know, when you have, you know, usually an older guy and a younger guy kind of uh, working together, uh, you know, sometimes it's tough for that younger guy to uh uh, to to you know maybe get a, a feel for the game and and you know adjust themselves so you know hopefully uh, you know the the boys can uh, just kind of you know figure it out and uh, you know there's you know some of those chintzy uh, you know little tripping calls or, or holdings and stuff like that uh, will be let go and and you know the uh, the games play five on five where it's uh, pretty exciting. Any chance that you would consider going with Jordan Bennington instead of Ville Husso for Game Three, Barrett? Uh, no, I, I think I'd stick with uh, with Husso. Uh, you know, I think Minnesota did the same thing with uh, with Flurry. That you know, you you don't want to panic. Um, you know, who's yeah? Uh, I, I don't think it was his fault last night, and uh, you know, Flurry in Game One. I don't think it was his fault. And you know, if you you kind of panic and go with the other goalie. Uh, uh, you know, it might give a spark, but it might also show a little bit of uh, you know doubt in your uh, your goaltending. So I, I would stick with uh, with Huso, but you know, I'm not the coach. I coach twelve uh, year olds. Uh, it's a little bit different. <laughs> and Bear, one last thing from me. I mentioned to Michelle earlier that if you're 
without Letty and Bortuzzo tomorrow night, it seems like it's incumbent upon the forwards, A, to maintain offensive possession time, which sounds easy, but the other part is those guys have to come back in their own zone. You you just can't spend time out, and the Blues are great at this anyway, of playing a five-man game, but it's really incumbent upon the Blues to have their forwards playing the best defense that they can. Yeah, the onus is going to be on uh, on team defense, and you know you're you're going to be thinking that you're going to uh, you know win a game one nothing or, or two one, and you know not take those uh, you know those high risk opportunities, and and you know like you said, you got to have the uh, you know the puck in the offensive zone as much as possible, and and you know not make uh, hopeful uh, hope for plays, and and uh, you know just be very. Uh, conscious that uh, you, you might have an inexperienced uh, you know, group uh, uh, on the back end. And I, I don't want to let you get away without talking about the 12-year-old kids that you're coaching because uh, that's been a, I know that you've really enjoyed coaching that team. How's everything going with it? Awesome. Uh, you know, we were uh, ninth in the country last uh, last year, and then uh, you know we're getting into uh, tryouts here in the next couple of weeks for uh, for next year, and uh, the kids are starting to hit. So uh, it's pretty uh, pretty entertaining and uh, pretty uh, electrifying uh, hockey. Well, it's so important for St. Louisans to have the Blues alumni keep hockey growing here in St. Louis. So thanks for what you do with that, and thanks for joining us this morning, Barrett. Always good to hear your voice. Yeah, my pleasure. It's great to hear your voice, too. <laughs> Such as it is. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you soon. Take care. All right. See you guys. That's Barrett Jackman, former Blues defenseman on 101 ESPN. Great to hear your voice, too, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to talk to him. And We are really lucky to have the Blues alumni here in town. Think about how how many guys we've even talked to this week. Barrett Jackman, Kelly Chase, Brett Hall. There's so Chris Pronger is always mm-hmm. around. There's so many guys, and I'm I'm leaving out a ton that are Jammer yesterday. Yeah, Jammer. Thank you. I, I was like, I know I'm missing somebody else we've talked to this week, um, but it is really special to see so many guys who have meant so much to the organization still be a part of the organization and not only be around the arena and be involved in the community, but be resources for the guys who are on the on the team now. And one of the things, this just goes back to why you came back and why we champion our community so much. These guys came back because the people are so great. Mm-hmm. And they're great people that fit in perfectly with with what St. Louis is. Yeah, it's a special place. It is great. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we want to hear from you. Uh, what's your feeling after the Blues lost 6-2 last night to Minnesota as we approach Game 3 tomorrow night at Enterprise Center? And oh, by the way... Tomorrow, we're going to have both BK and Ferrario and the Fast Lane at Enterprise Center all day long. So we're looking forward to that and hope you will join the fellas out at Enterprise Center tomorrow here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. Well, if there's one thing we know in this town, it's that... When you lose your first playoff game, you shouldn't get worried about it. And there have been a lot of weird things that have happened so far in the playoffs in the NHL this year. And I don't think anybody, Michelle, 
Bear Jackman certainly not. Last night after the game, Pareko and Tory Krug and Craig Berube not concerned about losing that game. You got to get to four, and they knew. Most people didn't pick a sweep anyway. They knew they were going to lose a game during this series. Yeah, you knew that the Blues and the Wild were pretty evenly matched. Even though the past 14 meetings between these two teams, the Blues are 12-1-1. If you actually drill into those games, overtime, very very close matchups. Even if the score doesn't bear it out, the games were closer than they thought. And that's how I think both of these two games have gone so far, Randy. The score doesn't exactly indicate how closely these two teams have played one another for the entirety of both games games now obviously period one yesterday being an outlier but I still think the Blues are in a good position they're coming home for the first time I I don't think in any way that this series is over but I'm not going to lie to you Randy I am concerned with the injuries that the Blues have sustained thus far some pretty big hits on defense having Nick Letty out who's been a consistent force for you Marco Scandella not available just yet and then Robert Bortuzzo taking the puck off the face last night I know yeah. you're good uh, Bortz at blocking shots but maybe don't sacrifice the face we talk about sacrifice all the time That's that's true. That's true. Obviously, he that wasn't intentional by him. I was just teasing there. But those are, are three guys that you really need in the mix for the Blues. And now they have to lean on younger players. with a, That's a lot of experience that you're losing. And I wonder if Letty comes back early, says, I'm playing, if Bortuzzo can't go tomorrow. Yeah, I wonder, because last night we were waiting to find out if he would return. I was yeah. doing pre-pre-game, pre-game, and then some of the intermissions with our friend Alex Ferrario, BK and Ferrario, yesterday. And we kept waiting because he got off the ice in a hurry, and we were watching the replay, and I was like, man, did that hit him in the jaw? Do you think that could have broken his jaw? But he clearly knew something was wrong instantly and rushed off the ice, and uh, kind of a... Uh, a bummer that he didn't return, but I just hope that it doesn't sideline him for too long. So we appreciate your Rhino Shield mic drops and your text to the Air Comfort Service text line with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Patrick checks in with a mic drop. Randy, Michelle, I think the, the way the Blues get back into this is they got to have that Robert Thomas, Vladimir Tarasenko, Pavel Buchnevich line get right back into this series. You saw it last night with the play that Robert Thomas made. On the, on the boards last night. They were right back into this game. They, they may have uh, got away from it because of the defense of Callie Rosen, but I think the way they got get back into this series in game three is that if they, that, that line's got to get going. They have been defended well. They have, but Patrick is right. You still haven't seen the best out of that line yet. That was one of the hottest lines, not the hottest line in hockey down the stretch. And you still haven't seen the best of them. And just like you knew you weren't going to be able to contain Kaprizov for the entire series, I don't think we're going to get out of this series without that line erupting at some point. And Tarasenko did have an opportunity to get a third point on the board. He hit a post uh, late last night yeah. that would have gotten the Blues to within 4-3. to three, And he did. Tarasenko assisted on the power play goal by Kyrie who, by the way, looked good as well yes, last night. Yeah. And then Tarasenko from Buchnevich and Thomas. So they got going, but they need to get going even more. Yes, they do. Uh, another mic drop. This is Tyler on 101 ESPN. Last night's performance, I believe, is a direct correlation to the lack of depth that we have on our blue line. Clearly, the Blues have benefited having Nick Letty in their, in their lineup. Um, hopefully, he can come back for Friday's game. But um, the Blues... You know, this is the mistakes that we saw, you know, towards the middle of the season where they were keeping the punk in their own end uh, for too long. And with that, uh, 
uh, mistakes compound and the the wild are able to get the puck into the slide and score very easily um, if we keep the puck in our zone too long so hopefully nobody will be back tomorrow hopefully i'm not anticipating it though are you i'm not I I'm hope hoping. he will be, but I'm not anticipating it. Oh, and concussions, if it is a concussion, yeah. are an issue that you should... I think every athlete that has a concussion should sit for a week. Yeah, you want to exercise extreme caution with that. That's not something to mess with. What do we have on the text line, Michelle? Um, from the 573, Randy, I'm not worried. Going into mini and getting a split is a positive thing. Now the Blues just need to take care of business when they return home this weekend. Minnesota was a dominant team at home during the regular season, and getting that win was not ordinary. Going in there, and by the way, the Blues have been great at home in 2021-2022 as well. Minnesota this season was 31-8-2 at home. So getting a win there was quite an accomplishment. Yes, it was. I think a lot of us would feel better about the situation for the Blues. There's still a lot of positives to take out of the game. But if they had just lost the game straight up, that's one thing. The fact that they're dealing with injuries, that's what's troubling for me because – you, you saw last night that the depth just isn't there. You, you have a lot of experience that's out with Letty, Scandella, and now Robert Portuzo. So that's my only concern is that you're asking players who haven't been in this position, you're asking a whole lot of them when they don't have the seasoning. And we talk about how luck plays a role in the playoffs. Last year, the Blues didn't have Perron. They didn't have injuries in 2019 when they won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, lucky. Well, you had some injuries. Remember, uh, Ryan O'Reilly had the ribs, right, but he but played he through play it. it. He right. played through it. He, these are injuries that you can't play through. Yeah. And we're still waiting to hear more on, on Robert Bortuzzo. Um, next one, Randy, from the 636. How do I feel after the Blues lost last night? Well, the series is tied 1-1, and the Blues are headed back home. I like their chances. See, I, I love that view of it because that's what you ask. You say, okay, what would you want out of a team that's going in to play a team that was 31-8-2 at home this year. What what do you want out of the first two games? Doesn't matter how it happens. What do you want? I, w- I want at least a split. Mm-hmm. And I got at least a split. I got the, I got what I was asking for. I thought it was interesting, too, the way that the, the Wild responded mentally, though, because I was shocked at how visibly frustrated they were after one game. And then the fact that they're having a team meeting to address said frustration Mm -hmm. after one game, I thought for sure there was cracks in the mental armor there and that you were going to see the Blues exploit that in game two. But credit to Minnesota. They're a really good team and they were able to regain composure and and come out and handle business quickly in the first period. And Spurgeon very easily could have been suspended, right? Yes. I have to believe that was part of it. Hey, don't cost us because you get frustrated. Absolutely. From the 636, I'm not feeling great. I felt the coaching staff gave the game away with pulling Huso with eight minutes left and it's only a 4-2 game. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I didn't disagree with Barubi's approach at all because it, it didn't look at that point like the Blues were going to be able to to get to them five on five, get two goals. And if they would have gotten one, I think Uzo would have come back in if you get it back to one and then maybe pull him again yeah. with two minutes left. But I thought at that point the Blues needed the spark and this didn't happen. And Kaprizov got his second goal. Third goal. Third goal. I, I like that he wasn't w- uh, afraid to take a risk, that he was willing to go for it and be creative. And 
if it, if it works, we're all calling him a genius, right? That's right. one of those moves where if it plays, if it works and it plays out the way that he anticipated, we're like, oh, here, Craig Ruby is never afraid to take a risk and, and he's always pushing the right buttons. I, I'm never mad at a coach that plays to win the game. Joel Quinville used to do that all the time with the Blackhawks when they were winning Stanley Cups. So if he's doing it, I'm okay with Ruby doing it. From the 314, I felt in our loss we outplayed them five on five, especially the start of the game. The boys will be buzzing on Friday. We knew it was going to be a dog fight. I still have the Blues in six. Boys will be buzzing, eh? Yeah, the boys are buzzing at Enterprise Center. I'm with you. Blues in six. I, I am completely on board with that pick. I picked Blues in seven. I just want to see him win here at home. I would not. I would want to avoid a game seven at all costs. I hope you're right and I'm wrong. By the way, I was disappointed by 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 my Blues shoes last night. They didn't come through. Yeah, what was going on with that? Come on, these are supposed to be foolproof. They are. I, I'm blaming my health because usually you don't have like a. I, I wasn't getting up to pace or anything. So because you're sick and you have a weakened immune system, therefore the juju was not as strong. Not as strong. Me. So I for, for game three tomorrow, it'll be better promise you better give those shoes a good pep talk I, i'm going to talk to him today give them the belichick do your job pep talk pretty simple right yeah you were acquired for one reason and one reason only yep. do your job blue shoes thank you michelle you got it um next last one randy um Three from sorry, this was refreshing. From the three one four, if the Blues lost game one and won game two, we would all feel great about them with or without injuries. That's a good point. Perspective, perspective. Yes, good That's point. That's the most important thing. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Hey, thank you very much for weighing in on today's big thing: the Blues falling last night six two, game three tomorrow at Enterprise Center. John Kelly, the voice of the Blues on Bally Sports, next with Carriker and Smallman on one hundred one ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. John Kelly doing great work with Darren Pang on the Blues telecasts on Bally Sports. A 4 nothing winning game one, a 6-2 loss last night. And J.K. joins us, as he does every Thursday morning here on 101 ESPN via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, J.K. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. How are you? Everything's good, and I think all of us would have taken 1-1 after two games. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, obviously in hindsight, you know, that's the way it is. And But anytime you start on the road, that really is the goal it's the realistic goal and I know back in 2017 Randy when they met the wild they won the first two games in that building and they won the series in five but that's tough I mean the wild they're a they're a great team I mean they had four more points than the blues um the blues scored one more goal so you know on paper they're they're very even I I guess statistically the, the one area the blues have an edge is on the special teams um but last night the wild scored a couple of power play goals and did a pretty good job against the Blues power play. So, you know, I'm not surprised at all that we're coming back here to St. Louis tied 1-1. And, and John, a couple tough breaks for the Blues on the injury front. You have Nick Letty out, Marco Scandella not available, and then Robert Bortuzzo taking that puck to the face last night. He didn't return. If he's not available for the Blues in Game 3, what will they be missing from Robert Bortuzzo? 
Well, you know, obviously he's a top penalty killer and, and a solid guy on that third pairing and, you know, also brings a lot of toughness. So um, let's cross our fingers that Robert is okay. And at the same time, hopefully the Blues can get back, you know, Letty or Scandella or both. Um, you know, anytime you, you, you sustain three injuries to a defensive core, I mean, that's just a big blow. And, you, you know, you, you have to go into the game last night against a really good four-line, aggressive, big four-checking team. And you have um, obviously a couple of young guys Rosen had never played in a playoff game, and Mikkel, I believe, had played in five. So, you know, it's one thing to put one of them in the lineup and, and you know, have a guy with little experience, but to have two, then it's difficult. And, you know, I think it, it proved to be a little bit difficult at times with, you know, the inexperience. Not that those guys didn't play well or didn't do a good job, but you're, you're certainly missing top players, and that's tough for any team. J.K., I thought it was notable last night, and you and Panger referred to this, that Berube stuck with uh, Ville Husso, and my anticipation would be that he would play tomorrow night. Last night, uh, the, there were a lot of things when Pucks got by him that were out of Ville Husso's control. Yeah, I, I think that I would expect to see Ville play in Game 3. He played, obviously, great in Game 1, and you know maybe one of the two of the goals, you could, you could say, well, he could have had it, um, but, you know, they were top grade eight chances, Randy, as you know, and it, they weren't any leaky, weird goals or soft goals. So, uh, you know, I, I think that obviously you're going to have ups and downs and it's, it's, it's a tough league. And like I said, the Wild are a really good team. And, you know, the thing to me that, you know, watching him play in his first ever Stanley Cup playoff games is he looked very confident, didn't look rattled, didn't look nervous. His puck plays were good. Um, you know, he's out top of the goal crease, challenging, things like that. So uh, I thought he he obviously had a great game one and you know, not quite as good, just like the team in game two. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko gets on the board, John, in the third period, period last night. But do you think we're still to see the best from that line from Vladdy, Pavel Buchnevich, and Robert Thomas? Well, Michelle, they were so good down the stretch. I mean, what they have like 73 points combined in, in 16 games in April. I mean, they were just lights out. You know, I thought obviously they were quiet in game one. They had four shots combined. Last night, they played better. So, yeah, they're, they're headed the right way. But, you know, line matchups are tough on the road in the playoffs. And they've seen a lot of that grief line, that Eric Sinek, uh, Greenway, Felino line. And that line is tremendous, five on five. So now you come home and you get to, to dictate the matches for the most part. And that should loosen them up a little bit. But I thought they did play better in Game 2 than Game 1. Hey, John, there's nothing that either team can do about the officiating. But 32 penalties called in the first two games, it just seems exorbitant to me. Have you thought that the penalty calls have generally been legit? Yeah, Randy, I I do. And um, I I really felt that, especially in Game 1, you know, both teams took undisciplined penalties that were rather obvious calls. And, yeah, last night I, I didn't look at the penalties and, and think that they were weak calls. Um, no, I, I, you know, at times you, you do get frustrated, I think, Randy, when you see the, the, you know, the slashes on the hands and things like that or, you know, one-hand slash to the stick gets called at times in the regular season. But, 
Yeah, I, I really do honestly think the referees have done a good job in the first two games, and the penalties and the power plays have been, for the most part, fairly even, and I, I think the penalties have been justified. I want to go back to game one, John, that Jared Spurgeon cross-check on Pavel Buchnevich's ankles. The league fines him $5,000 but doesn't give him a, a suspension. Were you surprised that he didn't get a suspension? Yeah, I thought that he could get a game, Michelle. And, you know, I know that he has had a very good reputation and he's not that kind of player. It was certainly out of character. But to me, anytime you use the stick as a weapon like that, and I, I know it was on the, the back of the leg or whatever, was it on the face or, or something like that, um, it's still a very dangerous play. And, and you know, hypothetically, um, what if Buchnevich would have broken his ankle? and was out for the series, you know, um, then there, there, there's going to be a long suspension, right? Well, just because he wasn't injured, does that just all of a sudden exonerate him and he gets nothing? That's why I, I don't think that just because a player gets hurt or doesn't get hurt, that shouldn't be the main reason you get or don't get suspended. So I think anytime you use your stick in that fashion, and it was a hard, hard cross-check, I think he should have got a game. Um, just because the optics of that were very bad. And John, the, uh, the only thing that surprises me about these two games, if I, if I look at a global view, is that they've both been four-goal margins. But you look around the league, and we aren't seeing one-goal games. It seems like everything is a blowout or a multi-goal game. So I guess we should expect that. It's just so atypical of the playoffs. Usually it's 2-1, 3-1 kind of games. Yeah, you're right, Randy. And, you know, a couple have been tight. Obviously, the Ranger game went to triple overtime. Uh, the L.A. game, game one, was a one-goal game. But I think it's very unusual that early on there have been a lot of blowouts. But I think if you look at the two games in this series, um, I think the scores have been deceptive. Uh, the Blues win 4 nothing, um, But to me, the Wild were a better team 5-on-5. Five five. And, you know, they hit four goal posts, and, and Billy made a lot of tremendous saves. And then last night, the Blues hit a couple of goal posts. I mean, Tarasenko rattles one off the crossbar when it's 4-2. It could have been 4-3. And I think the Blues were a better team 5-on-5 last night, and they lose by four goals. So I I think in the Blues games, I think the scores have been a little bit deceptive. But, yeah, overall, I'm surprised as well that the scores have been as one-sided on the scoreboard as they have so far in the first three nights of the playoffs. John Kelly, always great to hear your voice. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. And we'll be tuned in tomorrow for Game 3. Okay, Randy, thank you. See you later. That is the voice of the Blues on Bally Sports Midwest, the one and only John Kelly on 101 ESPN. Coming up on this, the birthday of our friend, the late, great Chris Duncan, we're going to talk to one of his favorite teammates, Aaron Miles, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sit down the right field line, and this one is gone. How about back to back? To the track, to the wall, and it's gone. Who holds it? Duncan go back to back. Write that down, Dan. <laughs> Write that down. That is ripped in the air to right field, down the line, and Duncan off the bench. Doubles the lead with his dad, Dave Duncan, waiting to greet him when he got to the top step of the dugout. What must be going through Dave's mind watching his son tour the bases here in the postseason? 
Our teammate and friend Chris Duncan would have turned 41 years old today, and in celebration of his birthday, we have a new limited edition Dunk t-shirt available for a limited time. Now through Friday, May 20th, you can order this year's CD16 t-shirt with proceeds from all sales going to support the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. Check out that limited edition Dunk jersey and order yours. It's a baby blue at 101ESPN.com slash Dunk16. And one of Chris's favorite teammates, Aaron Miles, joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Aaron, great to have you with Michelle and Randy. How you doing? Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. And I definitely want the info because that's money well spent for me. I'm going to be sporting a Dunkin' Baby Blue uh, shortly. Love that. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Well, we got to get you on, Aaron. Absolutely. Well, Chris Duncan was both of our teammates. We shared him in that regard. And there's so many different things to get into in regards to how special Dunk is. But I think the first thing that comes to mind for so many people is just how funny he was. When Chris Duncan was in the room, you knew he was going to make you laugh. So can you share us a story, uh, share a story with us about a moment that you had with Dunk or just that showcase as to how funny he was? Yeah, uh, well... I'm going to go with one of my favorites, um, and it's it's not nothing too big, but, you know, to start it off, man, you know, dunk pass before the COVID hit, right? And the guy was so good at just, just letting, you know, hypocrisy, you know, showing you the hypocrisy in anything. You know, I mean, I can, I can only imagine um, – him joking about uh, having to wear his mask and then taking it off at the dinner table. Because um, he, he's just a funny guy, and, you know, I mean, he'd do it all the time. He'd say, hey, you know, Tony, uh, you know, you don't want me to swing a change-ups in the dirt anymore. Stop playing me against guys that throw change-ups in the dirt. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, let Ludwig, let Ludwig play that day. Um, but I remember, you know, there's one story that sticks out in my mind where this is the World Series – uh, we're, we're in St. Louis. Um, we're getting ready to, we're, we're getting ready to play our first game in St. Louis. I think he was going to be starting the next game. I'm not sure if he started or not, but we're, you know, we're enjoying one beverage, just trying to relax, trying to kill the nerves a little bit, you know, and ESPN is just feeding you all these world series highlights. You know what I mean? And, um, and, you know, Dunk, obviously, he could swing the bat. And, you know, he got the most out of his defensive prowess he possibly could, obviously. And, you know, the kid could, you know, hit a ball 500 feet. But we're sitting there watching, and it's Joe Carter, and it's this. It's all he's good. And all of a sudden, it got to Bill Buckner. And, and Bill Buckner, and it showed the ball coming under the legs. And Dunk gave me one of those looks where his eyes got real wide. <laughs> You know, yeah. and he looked at me and he kind of like the, the chin dropped a little bit. And he, he looked at me like, oh, God, we shouldn't be having this in our mind. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we both looked at each other and he just picked up the controller, turned it off and said that I'm, I'm not going there anymore. And we both just walked out of there and just said, remember Tom Lawless, man. Tom Lawless is a king. And he gets a free beer in St. Louis, wherever he goes, and that's who we want to be. 
<laughs> he was, um, and then he'd get on the radio, and so self-deprecating Aaron, Aaron Miles with us on 101 ESPN, he'd say, oh, you make a couple errors in the World Series, and all of a sudden you become a defensive liability. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, man? Um, he was... He he was so good at um, just bring lighting up a room, um, making fun of himself. He had he had a a inner pride about him and an inner confidence, you know. And and that confidence was, you know, to the 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 life that he lived growing up as Dave Duncan's son in a big league clubhouse. Got to see Ricky Henderson. Uh, Mark McGuire, Canseco, all those guys got to see them winning a World Series. Uh, he lived a, an amazing life. And, you know, I know that it's it's too bad that he's gone too soon. But, man, this guy, um, he lived the life that he wanted to live completely. And I'm so glad he had the second part of his career with you guys, um, doing what he loved to do, talk about the game. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, and um, I, hey, I, I love it that I, I've been close with them, and you guys call me to talk about them every now and then. Aaron, one of the things that I'll always remember about Chris Duncan is, is, of course, what we were talking about, how he lit up every room, and he was so fun and funny and self-deprecating. But I always tell people when they ask me about Chris Duncan is what people don't see is how hard this guy worked. The work ethic of Chris Duncan was through the roof. I used to produce for him, and he would come in with stacks of notes. He was just always so prepared. And I'm assuming he was that same way when it came to baseball, right? He was the hardest worker he was the hardest worker in partly because, I mean, think about it. He had to deal with, oh, are you really this good? I mean, he was that good, but he always had that looming over his head. Daddy's the coach. You're probably here because of him, too. I mean, him and Pujols played on the same A-ball team. And they, you know, Chris was actually a, a, really good then. And it's funny because... You know, I wish, I just, you know, I wish Chris was around for so many reasons, but he would be loving this, you know, Pujols coming back thing because, uh, you know, when Pujols first came here, he looked up at Chris as like, Daddy's, you know, this is this guy's here because of Daddy, you know. And then, and Pujols, they played together. Next year, Pujols in the big leagues from A-ball. And then Chris fought his way, and then next thing you know, you know, Chris is hitting in front of him in the big leagues, hitting 20 homers in a half a season, you know what I mean? And just full circle, and the guy had to prove it. He had the monkey on his back, you know, proved it, and he worked harder than everybody. I mean, that guy could lose 10 pounds in the batting cage. He could lose 10 pounds in the batting cage. If he wasn't going right, he was going to fix it. And he was going to lose 10 pounds in that batting cage that day, especially in St. Louis. It's so humid out there. And Aaron, he, he's a guy that had such great reverence and respect for the game. And like you said, he was first-round draft choice, got a million dollars. He could have had an ego. I remember talking to him one time in the clubhouse, and I said, you're so good, so knowledgeable, so thoughtful. Why don't you talk to us more? And he said, it's not my place. That, that's Albert's job. That is Roland's job. That is, uh, uh, I guess Jimmy was on the team at that time. He said, it's not it's not my job. I'm, I'm not taking that away from them. And it was just out of respect for the veterans as a young player. 
It is, and you know, he didn't he he didn't know when I mean, he didn't know when to assert himself. Obviously, as somebody to go to from the media, you know what I mean. Um, he had a wealth of knowledge the first day he stepped in as a cardinal. Uh, obviously, because of how he grew up, and I mean, you know, this guy this guy used to sneak and get his dad's binders. He said, my dad's got every single at bat Aramis Ramirez has ever had in the binder. You know, he's got every, and now, nowadays these guys, you know, they just point and click on an iPad and there it is. You know, Dave Duncan was writing that down on one piece of paper, every at bat, where the ball went, where the, I mean, he had, he had binders upon binders and Dunk would sneak in and go through that stuff and just look at it sometimes and try to learn something. I mean, he had such a knowledge of the game that, you know, now the knowledge is in the data, it's in the algorithm. You know, Dave Duncan and Chris, these guys, they, they, they have it in their head. And that's why he was so good at what he was doing with you guys. Because he didn't, you know, he would use all those tools, but he already had it, man. He And he could go to what he knew it was was about right away. That's a great story, Aaron. I can just picture him sneaking in and mm-hmm. rifling through the binders to find the info that he needed. Uh, we mentioned off the top the new Chris Duncan shirt that you can get at 101ESPN.com. But the one that we had last year, Aaron, on the back of it, we had a bunch of sayings that we referred to as the Dunctionary because Chris Duncan was always throwing out words and phrases that were so funny and that just stuck. He would say it, and then we would we would continue to say it. For an example, Mansoda, the way that he referred to a beer as a Mansoda, he talked about boom skis and, and jackertons and the, getting the tight cheeks in a high high pressure situation. Was there any sort of word or saying that he had that you always remember? Well, I mean... That you can say on radio. That you can say on radio. Yeah, we threw, we threw back some man sodas. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, uh, I, I don't remember anything off the, off the top right now. You know, it's, it's been a while, obviously, but... Uh, you know, that was him. He was very clever. He was very clever. And, you know, he um, he just had this way about him, like I said, of, of bringing things to light that, um, you know, the, the hypocrisy. You know, he would he he, he could uh, show you something, you know, real easy that was right there in plain day and, and make it, you know, make it out there like Mansoda. You know, that, that's. <laughs> That's perfect. I, I, the the Jacker thing. What is that? A home run? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I've never heard that one. That <laughs> that's him expanding and you know getting better because he's with you guys. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know he's uh, you know happy birthday to Dunk. Um, you know I hope Amy's doing well today. And um, the guy uh, the guy was just an amazing personality. And like I said, I I wish he was here to to see this uh, to expand on this Albert thing because you know him him and Albert have a history. They uh, you know they came up through the ranks, um, and then Dunk did what he did at the big league level. And it would be great to hear him expand on you know what what's you know this whole transition and everything. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't have any of the. Uh, the quotes upon hand right now um, that I could probably share, 
but uh, I thank you guys for having me on. It's, uh, it's, it's always nice to come on and talk to the people in St. Louis and um, know that I'm still relevant out there. You absolutely are. Air Miles, thanks so much for the time, and have a great day. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Air Miles, uh, Dunk referred to him as his little buddy, Mm -hmm. and you couldn't have had a better big buddy than Chris Duncan. Uh, It is Cinco de Mayo. It is Chris's birthday, and again, you can go to 101ESPN.com slash Dunk16 to get the baby blue CD16 Duncan jersey. Coming up, we've got your Killing Me Smalls, and what's on tap here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Hey, now is your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to Tuesday night, the May 10th Budweiser Bash versus the Orioles. It's the next Budweiser Bash game of the 2022 series and features two limited edition bobblehead giveaways, David Freeze and Lee Smith. Get all the details for the May 10th Budweiser Bash now at cardinals.com slash promotions. The question today, Michelle, is if you were listening to the fight, we gave the answer to this question. Who hit the last home run? at old Bush Stadium, Bush Stadium 2. Who hit the last home run at Bush Stadium 2 before this current stadium opened? And texture number 16? 16. I wonder why. Wins the Budweiser Bash. Four-pack of tickets. All right, it's time for... Some NBA news, Randy. Ben Simmons, who we all thought was going to play in this year's postseason, but did not for the Brooklyn Nets in Game 4. News coming out that he's going to require three to four months of rehab after undergoing a back surgery today. He's expected to be fully recovered and returned to the court before preseason training camp in September, but he underwent a, or is doing it today, a microdiscectomy procedure that's going to address that pain that was located in his herniated disc and his lower back and the Nets put out this release yesterday a lot of talk about this because he said that his back was bothering him and that's why he didn't play in game four and a lot of people just assumed it was strictly mental that maybe the back pain was in fact related to some of the mental issues that he might be dealing with but he's having a surgery and is going to take a couple months to rehab and hopefully that's enough for him to feel well enough to get back to the court because I think a lot of people really want to see Ben Simmons play. BT had this surgery, microdisectomy and didn't have any problems at all afterwards. Tiger had the surgery, and it didn't take the first time, and that's one of the reasons that he's had four back surgeries is because, especially with the torque that he puts on his body, uh, it has a different effect on the lower back. But I'm like you. I hope that uh, he can get back on the court and get to feeling good about himself and be a good good player. I mean, three-time All-Star, yeah. first pick in the draft. It's not like he doesn't have talent. So I want to see that talent back on the court. Yeah, we want to see him 100% healthy. But this is where my mind goes with something like this. If you're already dealing with mental obstacles in order for you to get back on the court even if you have the surgery is that going to compound that is that going to make you have some trepidation about playing or is that going to contribute to any anxieties that you might feel because you're worried about re-injuring yourself I just hope that it doesn't compound the situation in any way hopefully this puts his mind at ease hopefully it has the complete opposite result Mm -hmm. of what I'm discussing and that it puts his mind at ease and he's finally feeling great and ready to play well the precedent is there right he thought that his mental 
issues, the, a mental block, were what caused him to have the back pain. Well, now, apparently, it's been discovered that the back pain was legit, and it wasn't a cause of a mental issue. It was a cause of a, of a physical issue. Yeah, hopefully, he'll be able to get confident again, and physical well-being will lead to more mental well-being. Oh. Is it? Is that? You're killing me, Smalls. Is it time to fight? Yeah. You're no, it's my my hand is apparently uh not not as steady as it should be at 30 years old. Sausage. Thumbs. There we go. There we go. There it is. Randy Jerry Jones involved in a minor car crash last night around 8:10 p.m. Central Time in Dallas. He was taken to a local hospital just for precautionary measures. But Stephen Jones texting ESPN saying that Jerry is quote back home and all good. Unclear if Jerry Jones was driving. He's 79, by the way. He is uh, an oldster, as it were. I say that as an oldster. He's, he's, but he's an oldster more than me. Yeah. So. But he's fine. Don't worry. Darn it. What? I'm, I'm sorry that he wrecked his car. Come on. You always think the worst of what I say. I'm sure it was a nice vehicle. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Hope it's, yeah. I, I, I hope it's not totaled. Because it's hard to find a car these days, Michelle. That's true. He, he needs to go to the Bomberito Automotive Group. I'm getting emails all the time. You want to trade in your car? Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's just like finding a house, though. You sell it. You're like, oh, but now i got to find somewhere else to live, and now i got to get a new car. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. Coming up, we have a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax. Great job today by our producer engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Michelle, this was fun. I'll, I'll, I'm not, this is the last word I say on the show today is the last word I say today. I'm going to rest it up. You need to rest this voice, Randy. Yep. Get get the fluids, get the Sudafed, get the Mountain Dew working. Mm. Take care of yourself, bud. I will do so. Thanks. And thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Carriker and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from Lecvio. Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, Nine mediocre middle school recitals, one heart attack, and with Lecvio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription Lecvio in glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at Lectio.com or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about Lectio. That's L-E-Q-V-I-O. Lower, longer, Lectio. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.